0: Good morning. Good morning. Everybody's dressed for a picnic. It looks like. See a lot of shorts today. I decided I wasn't going to preach in shorts. I was thinking about it, but just decided I would at least wear uh, that. Praise the Lord. Well, earlier this year we, we 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 got out of the van business. We had we had kids, you know, teenagers, and, and we had we had a, we had a, where's the, the pictures of the cars. We went from a van to a Camry, and it's a Toyota. So the dash looks the same, but there's some things different because. Well, a few weeks ago, we were taking Grace back up to Philadelphia, and, and and the you know the idiot the dash comes on. You know, one of, one of the, uh, the 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 lights on the dash pops up that I that looked. I said, I've seen that before, but what what's that one for? You know, and it's the same. It's 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 very it's a little different than the, than the van. And so we frantically we you know Terry beside me she got the the manual out and said, Oh, it's it's the cruise control. Now, okay, so there's nothing wrong. You know, I just hadn't. Hadn't been on the highway in a while, hadn't used cruise control, so this strange line, uh, a picture comes up on my, on the gauge, cruise control. But you know what? I would have been, we would have been very frantic if we hadn't had the manual to see that there's no problem. You know, the, the manual really saves you from sometimes from anxiety and from worry. The manual also helps you know when there's a problem, doesn't it? The Word of God is like a manual in one sense, in that the Word of God tells us when there's a problem, and, that's, and it can relieve us when sometimes we might think, that there's a problem. And, in, in, and we've been, we're going to look at the book of, of Proverbs today. And in one sense, Proverbs is, 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 one, is the kind of book that kind of gives us instructions. Gives us instructions about how to live in life, what life's all about, how we're to live in this life. This sermon series, we've been looking at uh, the, the wisdom books in the Old Testament, the five wisdom books. We have, uh, just, we're calling it Wise Answers to Life's Big Questions, the big questions of life. And, and there's five questions that we've been addressing. We're in the, in the fourth one. The, the question of God, can I know God? Is there, is there a God? How can I know him? We looked at the book of Psalms, which we see interaction with man and God, human beings and God. A, a romance, can I find love and romance? Song of Solomon uh, tells us, yes. That God, that God wants us to delight in, in, in the love of that other person. Uh, last week, Brother Vic gave us the Ecclesiastes, the, the purpose of life, the meaning, of, is there le- meaning to life? God has put us here. Why? There, there's a purpose, and, and you can check that out. On, 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 check all these out on the web. if you want to hear what that book's about. And next week we're going to talk about the, the question of suffering. That big question. Why is there suffering in the world? Big questions that people ask. Today we're talking about the the issue of, of, of success. How can I be successful in life? And, and and God has a book for that. And it's the book of Proverbs. So today we're going to talk about Proverbs. Last week. Um, Vic talked about Ecclesiastes, and and the key phrase there was life under the sun, under the sun, S-U-N, and and life under the sun ultimately led to death, today we're going to talk about life in the sun, S-O-N, which is going to lead to life, life. One commentator, Robert Altman, says, the book of Proverbs is like medicine, but you cannot live on medicine alone. A few of us go through life without some medicine now and then. It's, like, it's almost like vitamins in one sense, he says. Let's read the passage. Let's read the passage. Proverbs chapter 3, 1 to 20. And I see some people standing in the back. You can move in. Maybe the ushers can see. I see a few feet seats up front. Let's stand for the word of God. And if there's a seat beside you, let the ushers know so people can know that there's a, there's a place to sit. Let's stand for Proverbs 3, 1 to 20. <clears throat> my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart... Keep my commandments for length of days and years of life, and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil it'll be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones honor the lord with the with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine my son do not despise the lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof for the lord loves him whom he loves reproves him whom he loves as a father the son in whom he delights blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding for the gain from her is better than gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. She's more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She's a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open, and the clouds dropped down the dew. Amen. God's Word. You may be seated. My title is simply, Living Well by Finding Wisdom. Living well by finding wisdom. You know, those who follow the ways of God, those who follow the Lord's ways, they tend to experience success in life. When you follow God's ways, you tend to experience greater blessing and joy in life. That's what Proverbs wants us to understand. We have to appreciate Proverbs. Proverbs is a particular genre of literature. A couple commentators, Fee and Stewart, uh, have given a a great background to the book of Proverbs. We'll talk about the book of Proverbs first before we look at this passage. But the the first nine chapters of Proverbs are quite interesting. There's kind of of a a lot of discourse about the importance of wisdom, seeking of wisdom. And uh, we find in the first part of the book that, that Solomon was the first verse. Solomon is actually the writer of the book. Then, then in the middle section, there's a lot of the wisdom of Solomon. These quick, pithy little statements, these axioms, these little, little, little proverbial statements. They're couplets, antithetical couplets, and synthetic couplets. The Hebrew poetic devices. And then chapter 22 to 24, there's some anonymous wisdom. We don't know who they, who they came from. They're the word of God, but the author isn't given to us there. And then chapter 25 to 29. More of the wisdom from Solomon, but uh, Hezekiah—they came during the time of Hezekiah. They were they were organized during that time in history, and so the Hezekiah collection. And then the last couple chapters, uh, two men, Agur and Lemuel. Lemuel wrote that famous virtuous woman in chapter 31 that you've heard so often on Mother's Day, maybe. But that, so that, the book is kind of organized around um, these these writers of the book or the, the collectors of the book. But it's, it's Hebrew poetry. It's, it's poetic. Various types of technique are used. Uh, your cause-effect, and repetition, and contrast, and, and acrostics, and alliteration, and, and metaphor, and, and it's different style of writing if you, as you read Proverbs. It, it's, a, it's a very unique book uh, when you come, in, come to it. It's, it's just different than the other parts of the Scripture before or after it. The and Seward talk about the function of the book. It's to offer practical instruction for the young, primarily in the home with a focus on how to live uprightly and, and, and how to live well in society. It expresses truth in ways that are memorable. That's the purpose, the fact that we're memorized. Often truths are overstated. Sometimes, sometimes even they look like they contrast each other and contradict each other. In the first, the first verse of the book, chapter 1, he talks about, uh, he gives his name, It's Proverbs of, of Solomon, son of David. And then in verse 7 is this verse that that's sort of the theme of the book. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. He talks in about, that. that's where, and then he begins to take off on, on, on these poems and these discourses about wisdom. Knowledge is this information and facts about life, and, and wisdom is knowledge applied. It's the application of knowledge to life. Imagine you're a doctor, you're, you're, you've gone through all your education and you've and you begin to, to um, go into your, your first year residency and it's the first day and, and, your, and, and your mentor tells you to, to scrub up and let's get ready for surgery. And you've passed all your exams. You're, you're, you, know, you have the knowledge. But once he makes that first cut, you need more than knowledge, you need wisdom. because You don't know what you're gonna find here. You need to apply the knowledge that you have. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. And, and there's knowledge about life and then there's wisdom about how to apply life. With the, the knowledge of life. And 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 the fear of the Lord is where this begins. And it tells us in, in chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And we also saw in Psalm 1, 111, it's the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord, this awe of the Lord, this reverence for God is, is so foundational. Proverbs loves to teach by contrast. By stark contrast. And, and I think the purpose is that, is that young people would be discerning of what kinds of people they're interacting with. Because uh, I, I just I began to list, as, as I read through the book, just some of the, the different types of people it talks about the righteous and the upright or the unrighteous, uh, the God-fearers or the scoffers or mockers, the faithful or the simple or gullible. Simples we use a lot. The industrious versus The sluggard, the lazy, the slothful. The prudent as opposed to the wasteful. The humble as opposed to the proud or the boastful or the arrogant. The gentle, the meek as opposed to the loud or argumentative. The self-controlled, especially with the tongue. As opposed to the promiscuous or the ones who lack restraint. Rebellious. The honest as opposed to the crooked or deceiving. The truthful as opposed to those who lie the blameless as opposed to those who are evil. Contrast! And, and, and I think the purpose is that young people will begin to have discernment about who it is they're interacting with. Proverbs, how to succeed, how to live well, and how to succeed in life, how to navigate this world of relationships, of people. Let's look, look now to, to our, our text. And it begins with exhortations regarding wisdom. Just some j- exhortations, and actually there are four exhortations I want, want us to see here. And the first one is, verses, is, is the first four verses. And essentially, each of these exhortations, he would give an exhortation and sort of give some of the, what will be the results if you follow that exhortation. The first one is simply to keep God's commandments, keep the commandments. And, and the, the result, you will experience the blessing, length of days, long, longevity. And experience peace. He begins with, the, with my son. Again, ten times in the first nine chapters, he says, my son. There's ten sort of exhortations uh, that he gives here. Uh, throughout these nine uh, chapters. It reminds us of Deuteronomy chapter 6 about uh, uh, tying around your neck and and putting them in your heart. uh, Deuteronomy 6, to love the Lord your God and pass it on to your children. Deuteronomy 6, the first few verses there. We resort to do that. The truth of the gospel is for all people. It's certainly for our own children. We're to to train up our children, the scriptures tell us, in the way that they should go. In fact, that's right in Proverbs Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. It's an often quoted verse. There's several implications. I won't go into all of it, but parents parents have a great influence on their children. It's one of the things it's saying. A total influence? No. But a great influence, particularly in the early years, those formative years. Someone has said, uh, proverbially, the the, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. You've heard that before. Your children will inevitably be discipled by you and some, as, some aspects of that will stick. Scary, isn't it? Quite scary. The, the prayer is that it, it, that it is the, your faith that sticks, and not just positive character qualities, which they should hopefully get from you. Most of the wisdom in this book is, 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 is not necessarily wisdom about faith, it's wisdom about life, which includes faith. It's, there's a lot of common grace wisdom in this book. Common grace, God's grace, not just for believers, but for all people. There's a lot of it in this book. And those who follow that common grace wisdom will generally live long and, 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 and well in this world. That's one of the things that, that, that the scriptures tell us. I saw a story this, this week that was interesting about a woman named Susan, Susanna Jones. Uh, she's the Guinness World Record holder for the world's oldest person. That's the, that's the certificate there. She uh, was born in 1899 in rural Alabama. She moved to New, New Jersey, New York area in 1923. And she's the world's oldest person. She's 116 years old as of this, uh, this summer. And she's blind. She can hardly hear. She's not bedridden. She only takes two medications a day. That's pretty amazing. I was talking about my mom takes, she takes about a dozen. And she's only, she's only in her 80s. <laughs> only two. And um, She was asked about the secret of longevity in her life. She said, sleep, never drink or smoke, and I surround myself with love and positive energy. And that, for me, is the key to a long life and happiness. She has discovered common grace knowledge from God. That's what's happened there. This common grace of God, this wise way of how to live. Many say that, and it is, it is true that longevity is somewhat tied to, to our genetics. But it's not just our genetics. We need to, if we want to live well, live by God's wisdom. The exhortation in verse 3 is, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Those are covenantal phrases. The steadfast love and the faithfulness. We're to be committed to God. And the encouragement is for the son to do that, the child to do that. You'll find favor. You'll find favor, the favor of God, verse 4. Favor and good success. Favor can be translated grace. You'll find favor and success, grace from God. That verse, by the way, uh, reminds us of Luke 2.52, which is that, that, that Jesus, uh, uh, he found favor with God and with man. The Lord Jesus, as a teenager, he found favor with God with man. Maybe an allusion to this verse right here in Proverbs chapter 3. But the first exhortation is to keep the commandments of God, and it will go well with you. You have long life, you have peace. The second exhortation here is uh, about... Uh, trusting the Lord. Verses 5 to 8. Trusting in the Lord. And the result is you'll experience the blessings of his guidance and of his direction. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him to direct your paths. In all your ways, there's a, in Isaiah 55, there's a reminder that his ways are not always like our ways. Sometimes we think that instinctively, I just, you know, the, the common sense thing that I think ought to be done, it must be what the Lord wants me to do. And this, this verse is always a check, it's always a caution. In all your ways, acknowledge Him because you're not to lean always on your own understanding. You need, you need to check your understandings with Him through prayer and through reading His Word and through the counsel of others. But when you do that, the promise is that He will give you guidance. He will give you direction as you trust in Him. The third exhortation, verses 9 to 10, is to honor the Lord by tithing. And the result is you'll experience the, the blessings of His provision in your life. Giving, first fruits, is, of course, they gave, they had fruit, they had resources, they, they didn't have all with money, they had the things that they, that they produced, uh, but the first fruit of their produce, they were to give to the temple, give to the Lord's work. Again, uh, tithing, you know, the first fruits is this idea of giving off the top, and you know what people often say, that if you don't give it off the top, you probably won't give it. <laughs> you know, when, when, you, when your money comes in, it's wise to say, okay, this part belongs to the Lord, you, and you do that, and then you live on the rest of it. And that is a wise principle to learn early in life. Now, there's a caution here, particularly here. Proverbs are, 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 are not absolute um, um, things always. Sometimes they're general trends. And this is, this is one, one of those areas where I think that's true. they are not, not always absolute promises for every single individual. It's a particular genre of, of literature. So, and one of the questions is, what should motivate our giving? What should motivate our giving to the Lord? What should motivate? You know, I, I, this week I was tr- very troubled as I saw a report on TV. It was one of this uh, one of the morning news programs. Uh, Jeff Glore. He found a report that that seemed to be out of the blue, and it was about um, uh, an HBO viral video clip of an HBO show named Last Week Tonight. The host was a man named John Oliver, who recently did an expose on Christian televangelists. Now, actually, the piece that he that he did. I, true. I mean, he, it, it, he, he really was exposing some of the, really, the false uh, prophets of our day who are, who are ripping people off from the, from the pulpit and from the television, getting money from poor people and all that. And it, he did a great job in his own way of exposing that. But what troubled me was just that he didn't, it, it seemed like his attitude was not just against false prophets, but against all prophets. Not just against false churches, but against all churches. There, there seemed to be a, 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 deep, uh, uh, a, a, a deep hatred of the people of God. That, that bothered me. It bothers, it bothers me, knowing the climate of our country today, that it seems to be a place, a time where it's OK to dog people of faith. And some need to be dogged, yes, but not all are false. But what, the, no, the, the prosperity gospel preachers are trying to motivate you. You give so God will give back to you. That's, that's not what the scriptures really teach. That's not what these verses are teaching. What should motivate our giving? It should be a love for God, a gratitude in what God, what God has done for us through Christ, a desire to see the kingdom of God expanding in our world. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things we added to you. You seek God, you put him first. If you, if you have a heart to put him first, he'll take care of you, because you're his child. And that's the motivation. The fourth exhortation in the passage is verses 11 and 12, and it's kind of interesting here. Verses 11 and 12. My son, don't despise the Lord's discipline. Be wary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him who he loves as a father the son in whom he delights Endure the discipline of the Lord, is he, is he? Because the Lord will discipline you unless, unless you are totally perfect, totally holy. You will experience the discipline and the chastening of the Lord, he says. And we need to endure We need to embrace that as from God and learn from that and trust him as a father. There's a blessing when we endure rightly the discipline of God. Hebrews chapter 12, 5 and 6, quote these verses. And the writer of Hebrews is very clear there that God, he chastens us, he disciplines us so that we might, might in our hearts be produced the fruit of righteousness. I think he says the peaceable fruit of righteousness, the authorized version says there. Discipline. And again, he's, he's, we need to tie in the, the discipline of a parent to the discipline of the Lord. That's what we're encouraged to do here. I don't know about you, but I thank God for my parents. My parents, uh, they believed in biblical discipline old school, biblical discipline. The rod of correction. They believed in that. And uh, you know what, I thank God. I'm probably standing here today because my parents believed in that. <laughs> and that, that, there's, there are many people who are not sure that that's the way to, that children ought to be disciplined. And there's a bad way to do that for sure. But but, they, but I knew one thing, I knew, particularly my, 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 my dad. We're talking about the fear of the Lord and reverence of the Lord and the Lord who loves us. It's, it's very important, I believe, for us to, to very early learn that our parents love us, but, but that we respect them, and I learned that early. I knew my love. My dad loved me. He would die for me. But but he but but I learned to respect him. And, and when I disobeyed him, I knew there would be going to be consequences. And and, and that's all that the, the, the writer of, of Proverbs is saying. Solomon is saying uh, uh, the Lord the Lord loved, He disciplines you because he loves you. And any good parent does that. And in Hebrews it says, if, if your parent doesn't do that, maybe you're illegitimate. That's the way Hebrews talks about it. So, endure the discipline of the Lord. Receive it. And, and, and then you'll, you'll begin to experience the blessing of, of in, in this life. Those four expectations. Now, now, the second thing I want to see is, is the blessings of wisdom. This, this next section, verses 13 to 18, he begins to talk in general about the blessings of wisdom again. Again, verse The first word, verse 13, and the last word of verse 18, both are blessed. This is kind of a beatitude towards towards wisdom. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom, has to be sought, has to be found or given to you. Blessed is the one who finds it and the one who gets understanding. And there's blessings when we do that. Now, it's interesting. In this section, um, notice um, verse 14. From her, gain from her is, is better than gain. From silver in her profit. There's a personification of wisdom. You notice that? Wisdom is a female. There's a personification. Throughout the first nine chapters of wisdom, we see that. In fact, let me read some of, of chapter 9 of, of Proverbs. It's quite interesting here. Proverbs 9, just, just because it, it, it personifies wisdom as a lady and folly or foolishness as a lady. Listen to some of these verses here in chapter 9. Wisdom has built her house, she has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Here's the call. Whoever is simple, let him turn here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come. Eat of my bread and drink of the wine I've mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. So that's the call of lady wisdom who calls the young son who's been trying to figure out life. who call, Wisdom says, come, come and, and have fellowship with me. Look at the, then, then drop down to verse, uh, if, you look, if you have your Bible there, drop down to verse 13. In contrast, is the woman of folly. The woman of folly is loud. She's seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by who are going uh, straight on their way. She says the same thing that, Wis- that, 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 that Lady Wisdom said. Whoever is simple, let him turn here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, here's what she says Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. And then there's other things if you look at, look, look at the Proverbs, but the last line in this chapter is But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Looks good following lady folly, but th- that's the way of death. In fact, there's a proverb that says, there's a way that seems right in the, to man, but its end is the way of death, Proverbs 14 and verse 12. We have to find wisdom. We have to find wisdom, and wisdom, wisdom will be calling us, lady folly will be calling us, and we have to choose w- which one we will pursue. That's what, the, what, the, what Solomon is saying here. He says gain of wisdom is, is even more important than gaining silver and gold and precious jewels and gems. Those things have to be pursued, you know. You know you, you don't, you, very seldom are you just walking somewhere and, hey, there's gold. Hey, there's silver. You have to dig for them. You know, wisdom in one sense has to be pursued as well. You have to find it. You have to search, you have to want it, search for it and find it. That's what he's saying there. What does, what does it practically mean for us is it, how, what, to find wisdom, to search for wisdom, dig out wisdom? What does it mean? I think it means your time to, to take the time to pray, to take the time to read the Word of God privately on your own, to say, God, what do, you, what, do you, what do you have here for me? The worshiping with the body of Christ, coming together to hear the Word of God, to wrestle with the Word of God, with God's people, week after week, month after month, year after year, let God train your mind, renew your mind. Involvement in, in, in soul food classes and, and community groups and around the Word of God that God's wisdom might become part of who you are. And of course, through the loving nurture and discipleship of parents or guardians or mentors, through, through iron sharpening iron and others be, be, having input into your life. The other day, we, at, at our uh, Thursday night in our lamp, cla- our, our, our lamp Seminary class, we were talking about youth ministry, and, and they were talking about how the, the, the influences on, on particularly youth, teenagers, and the, the, the influences are your peers and, and, and media and, and school, and community and family. And the discussion was, uh, who, who, who do we listen to more? Who has the, mo- the most strong impact in the life of a child? And it's essentially, as a child goes through various ages and stages, each of those begins to have a different level of influence in their life. The challenge of parents is to, during those early years, when you have the ear of your children, to have deep influence in their lives. Uh, Dean Borgman, who wrote Foundations of Youth Ministry, the text we're using in that class, he says this. Some today are calling for the elimination of youth ministry and of Sunday school in order to integrate young people into the larger church with their families. And against such, he says, I propose a both-and approach. Young people need security and support from home and church. But they also need a peer family and outside instructors who can complement positive teaching at home. Youth look for what they consider healthy models of personhood, family life, and real relationship. Youth ministry should be more integrated into families in the adult church, but at the same time, families and churches need specialists in popular culture and in deep, understanding deep adolescent issues. It's a both-and approach. Youth, in like fact, all children need to be part of the larger body of Christ. We also we need people who particularly know their particular needs and can minister to their hearts in special ways. This wisdom has to be sought, has to be dug out, and has to be given to us. It's not automatic. We don't get it just because we come to church. You have to give yourself to it. But the results, it's more precious than riches and honor to have the wisdom of God. That's the point. The results are contentment in life, provision, an inner peace, a health, harmonious relationships, a sense of being a child of God. A sense of knowing that you're on the way, way, you're you're walking in the ways of holiness as God would have you to do. We need to do all we can to find this wisdom, to find wisdom and to gain this wisdom from God. And how do we do that? Well, the source of wisdom, verses 19 to 20. We can say a lot more about this from other parts of chapter 8, chapter 4. But the source of wisdom is Jesus Christ. That's where it begins. that's That's where the fountain begins. Jesus Christ. If the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom, then, then knowing the love of God through Jesus Christ is the ultimate climax of that wisdom. You can't just stop with the fear of the Lord, though that's very important. You must understand, come understand the love of God that comes through Jesus Christ, the fountain of wisdom. Every, every parent has a burden for their children, any, any wise parent, and I'm sure all parents here have a burden for their children, and I do. There's three things you want. First, you want your child to survive. You want your child to survive. and In this world, that's a really a prayer, isn't it? All right, just last night, I heard that we've had uh, 215 murders now. That's where the clock is in Baltimore. That's where the, the count is. 215 as of last night. Um, tragedy, isn't it? You want your children, first of all, to just survive a crazy world, don't you? Just, just last night, James told me that he was on his way home after midnight, and... Uh, stopped by a police, and he's, it must have been a sobriety check. We don't know what it was, but he said he got stopped. The, you know, the lights went on, and, and he, said, I, I, he said, he was okay. He let him go. But I said, were you scared? Yeah, I was scared. <laughs> you don't know in these days. You don't know. You, you pray your children will survive. Your health, you want, you want them to have good health and to be protected and safe. The second thing that every good parent is you want your children to thrive. You want them to thrive not just want them to live, you want them to live well, right? You want them to come, you, you, you want them to, 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 to have some, some skills that will be able to support themselves and their family or whatever. You want them to have healthy relationships. You want them to learn to be good citizens and to be good people who are, who are, who are, who are loving and caring. And, to, and, uh, and as your kids go through the, the, your, the teenage years, sometimes you doubt if they'll ever get to that point, do you? But just hang in there hanging there, sometimes, most of the time, they grow into uh, mature uh, citizens in their 20s and 30s. But so as, as parents just continue to pray for them, and if you're a child, some of you may be children today, and, you, and, and, and your parents love you, they, they care for you, and they, they want you to succeed, succeed, and maybe some of the tensions that you might have with them, because they want you to succeed, and to thrive in life. You know, but as a believer, it doesn't stop there. Yes, you want your children to survive, Yes, you want them to thrive, but most of all, you want them to believe, don't you? You want them to believe that, the belief that, that, that wisdom is ultimately found in the Lord Jesus Christ. You want them to come to the settled conclusion as adults that Christ is a source of all life, the source of all wisdom. You want them to have a love for Jesus? Uh, a commitment to his word, his revelation, a commitment to worshiping him in spirit and truth, to serving him, to helping others to know him. That's the passion of every Christian parent. You don't just want them to experience a childhood conversion where they kind of nod to the gospel. You want them to grow into a mature disciple of Christ. That's what every parent wants. And sadly in our day, many children are growing up and drifting because the pressures of our world are so strong to not do that. Some of us have experienced that pain of children who, raised as disciples, get off course, drift, swerve off course. There's pain there. We must continue to pray. Continue to insist that the fear of the Lord is still the beginning of wisdom, and the wisdom of Jesus Christ is the end of wisdom. There is power and healing and salvation in the name of Jesus. I've been saying a lot today that uh, Proverbs is about the wisdom for life. but Don't forget that the Proverbs, like all scriptures, point to Jesus Christ as the source of wisdom, the fountain of wisdom. The New Testament authors stress that. Colossians chapter 2 says uh, uh, the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. 1 Corinthians 1.30, I think we heard this verse earlier. Uh, the, uh, uh, you, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God. Jesus Christ is a source of wisdom. He's the second person of the Holy Trinity. Colossians chapter 1 says this, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. By him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So Jesus told a story. Probably his most famous sermon was the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. At the end of that sermon, he told a story. But all the the wisdom and the, the authoritative teaching he'd given in those verses, he nailed it down like this. He said, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man. The wise man, the foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Jesus wants us to build our life on wisdom, and He is that source of wisdom. Earlier in that chapter, chapter 7 of Matthew, His words were about, the words that He says, building His life on His words, were about entering the narrow gate, taking the road that's less traveled, as someone has said, knowing that the broad road leads to destruction, but the narrow gate leads to life and life eternal. His words were about knowing him as Lord. Don't just say, why do you call me Lord, Lord? You don't do the things that I say. Lord, Lord, knowing him as Lord, having a relationship with him, a genuine relationship with him. That's his word. Matthew 7, 21. Wisdom. So in your life, or any of the gauges of your dashboard lighting up, You need the warning lights, lighting up, and you're trying to figure out what's wrong, what's going on. Maybe you need grace, maybe there's nothing wrong, you just need to understand some things. (laughs) Maybe like like me, I I, I was cruise control, there's nothing wrong. But it could be that that thing is lighting up because there's danger, and there's something in your life that needs to be addressed. The scriptures tell us. Don't try to figure out yourself. Go to God. Go to his word. Go to him. Remember your creator. Trust him with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Build your life on him. And on his perfect word for you. That it may go well with you. Jesus Christ died on a cross. That you and I might have life. Life now and life eternal. Trust him. Let's pray. The Proverbs is such a different book. Sometimes it's hard to get at what's there. But I thank you, Lord, that that you have spoken to us. You've you've not just given us eternal life. You've given us wisdom of how to live this life. I pray each one of us would would go to your word and go to Proverbs.